Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Talking Talkie podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Driv and tonight I'm joined by the fantastic Rowena Williams. Hello. And we're joined by a special guest uh, from the Talking Night Sports Trust, uh, Rob Dickinson. Hello. Rob, um, before we kind of get started into the podcast, do you want to tell us a bit about how you came to involved in Talk United and, and some of your highlights maybe? Yeah certainly um, I was uh, grew up in D and um, although I went to a few matches um, as a nipper, um I uh, saw my first full season Leroy 2002-2003 which was pretty good going um, things went on hold for a bit when my wife had and um, finance and free time went out the window. Um, but I was back in the buckle era with um, my two four-year-olds at the time and um, had a great uh, first match back. Um, it was against Droysden. Um, and I thought, that's a banker. We're bound to win that one. Um, unfortunately, we were one nil down at half time. Um, Mark had his own goal. Um, and then Silsey got back with 10 minutes to go and then um, we were behind the family stand and uh, Lee Phillips got a header deep in injury time from a, a Nicholson cross and um, that really hooks myself and the kids and I've been supporting them the season to get more or less ever since. That's uh, yeah it, great era that's I, I started going kind of in the league one season so my kind of early fond memories were that era on the buckle and um yeah special special times um well let's start with Altrincham on Saturday um I think we all thought it was a game that if we were gonna start mounting a bit of a challenge to go for the playoffs it's one we had to win um which we did 2-1 courtesy of Connor Lemon Evans and Stephen Wern. Um, I don't think any of us were there, but we've all seen the highlights. Uh, what did we make of what, what we saw? Yeah, I thought um, the first half was a little bit more encouraging than the second, uh, towards the end of the second. I think some people disagree with me that were there, but from the highlights, it looked like towards the end, we were lucky to take the three points. Um, what Danny Wright's ball uh, for the first goal was absolutely great but what I really liked you know watching the highlights was like how hungry we seemed for the ball we were we were driving the ball down all the time um even when their goalkeeper had it we were creating chances and I thought um is it Wern is that how we, we pronounce it um I thought yeah. he I thought he looked absolutely great like he just looked much quicker than anybody else and he was causing so many problems um for everybody so I was, I was really glad when he managed to get a goal as well he just brought a pace and an energy I think that we have at times lacked this season um but I feel I think ultimately it looked, it looked pretty positive I would have liked to just keep concentrating a little bit later on into the game I think the chances that they nearly got were just through a lack of concentration from us rather than quality from them so um but really glad we came away with the three points yeah, I think after um, I saw the lineup, I would have taken 2-1 at the um, beginning of that match. So it was a fantastic result in that respect. Um, you know, again, we were under pressure for the last 10, 15 minutes and uh, we didn't take our chances perhaps. And 
that's probably come back to bite us on the arse yesterday as well, unfortunately. No, 100%. And I completely agree, Rowan. So, you know, I think the two loanees have really added something that we didn't have before, especially in terms of a bit of quality just behind the striker. Because I think with those two and Connor Lemon Heavens, you've got a fairly interchangeable three behind hopefully Danny Wright if he if he if the injury's not too bad. Um but yeah you saw the lineup and you know there's an awful lot on Ben Winter's shoulders when it's a very makeshift back four. You know, Troy Johnson has when he's good, he's good, but he is inconsistent and he's been in and out of the team with injuries and, and suspensions and form. Dan Martin's really come into his own. Um and he's getting better and better. So I don't have any doubts over him. But there, there have been a lot of question marks over Ali Omar. So I am pleased for him that we did win that game. Um, but with that makeshift back four, one, it, it's funny, one of the things I noticed yesterday, and I'm not sure if it was the same at Altrincham, but there just isn't the, quite the same chemistry with the midfield. And I think that does, it's more a case of, don't let them concede, don't, sorry, don't let them get through or don't let them score. Whereas when you've got Lewis and Moxie, who are probably our two most intelligent players and very established back two now, it's, you know, they're almost the first line of kind of quality, if you like, they're, they can start the football going. Whereas with, you know, a Ben Winters can perfectly deputise at centre-back, but when you've got a fairly makeshift and probably nervous back four, it, I, I do think it must have a bit of an effect on the rest of the team. Um, but, I mean, it's funny, if you'd have said to me, you know, a win and a draw in either way or something, I'd have taken it. I was hoping for four points from the, from, from the two games. Unfortunately, just, you know, just the three because we did lose last night. Um, Rob, you, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, Um I think it was always a case of uh, whoever was going to score first was probably going to win the game. Um, again, we had our chances throughout the game. Um, probably a couple of very, very good penalty shouts. Um, in fact, the second half, uh, um, I was speaking to Nick Broderick after the game. He sits behind the family stand and um, he, he said Holman was completely taken out on the goal line from behind. And it was a clear penalty, but unfortunately the ref didn't see it. Um, and we were where we were. Um, Johnson didn't bring on any substitutions after Holman, of course. And they brought on a couple of uh, subs. And of course, they got the goal from one of those substitutions as well. And a very good goal it was as well. It, yeah, it was a good goal. And I mean, I must admit, from my angle, I wasn't sure if it was a penalty or not. So it is interesting to see that it was because it did look, if it wasn't a penalty, I, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, experienced goal scorer should be scoring that. So, yeah, that that's that's a bit frustrating. Um, I think the difference between the two sides, now don't get me wrong, it doesn't help with having, like I say, a makeshift back four and with Danny Wright out injured very early on, you know, what you base your game around is kind of you've all of a sudden on the back foot. But I think the thing that Solihull had that we just didn't have, and I don't think we've had since Armstrong's left, we just didn't have a proper plan B, you know, because they brought the striker off and sent on the 
probably the tallest man I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I think we we're all convinced he'd score with a header, but he scored with a kind of tasty little back flick. Um, but wait, I, I, that's the thing that I just think we lack at the moment is is a proper plan B up front because Holman strikes me as someone who's better in a two. I think Lolos is either better in a two or better out wide. I don't think he's a lone striker. So when you lose Danny Wright so early on, you, you're kind of on the back foot already. And I, th- I think that is kind of what undid us last night, along with not having a first choice defence out. So... Yeah, and I, I agree. The first team score is going to win it. I think either team couldn't have complained with losing. I think a draw probably was the fair result, but yeah, I mean, Solihull are, are a good side, and for them to come to an informed talk here and win away on a Tuesday night is a is a really big result for them in their kind of chase for the playoffs. So, yeah, I think they're they're a team that will be up there, and I think that that's that's the kind of level we've got to be at if we're going to be challenging as well. Yeah, I think I think the frustrating thing is that we know Danny Wright. I, I love Danny Wright. I think he's great, but we know that he is a bit broken and I'm not sure we found a replacement for him yet. And I think I listened to the game last night and it just became really clear that when after he went off injured early on, we didn't really have another option planned out I mean I think Ben Curry said this you know that game he's watched that game a hundred times almost because it's just a classic talky game a freezing cold night in on Tuesday pretty dull both ways managed to lose it right at the end you know it, it didn't sound that positive but I mean for me it's not we've had so many good results recently um, and it's been great to see our away form pick up as well it's not a real concern for me but I think we do have to look beyond Danny right now and maybe it's next season that we have to find someone for probably now, but it would be really good to have a consistent striker who is going to be with us the whole season, um, who is a bit lit, a little less injury prone um, and that we can rely on just that, that much more. I think that will push us forward. No, I agree. I agree. It, you know, Danny Wright it is brilliant. And it is funny. I was saying after the game last night that, you know, assuming we don't get promoted, I, I'd still have him next season as a plan B because what he does, he does brilliantly, but you are right. He is, for a footballer, pushing on. I think he's what, 37, 38 now. He's not going to be fit Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And I like Dan Holman. He can clearly finish well. And I think he should have scored. He had a couple of chances last night, but, you know, that experiment hasn't, quite paid dividends yet but you know also we had such a good we had such we landed with our feet on the ground with Armstrong and you're not going to replace someone like that overnight um you we've obviously got this Duke McKenna from QPR who's apparently quite highly rated there so they obviously appreciate the work that went into you know, what they did with, uh, what we did with Armstrong. So hopefully that's, that's a good relationship between the clubs and who knows, maybe they've got, maybe they've got yeah. another player that we can. Uh... Absolutely. I mean, we've really missed having, you know, when we had that good relationship with Bristol City, when Lee Johnson was there, it just, it's just so helpful to us. And it, I mean, it, it's a win-win. You're, you're, young players are playing, they're getting match experience and, and we've got good players coming in um, and, and 
and I think it's not just about the player themselves performing well. When when one player performs well, they just push the rest of the team. They they pull up that confidence. And we have lacked that a bit of our loan signings. So it's great to have perhaps a club that is seeing some positives and is happy to send us some of their young players that we can we can use to help us in the league as well. No, definitely. Um, one thing I'd, I'd note about uh, the support, it was good numbers, but a special shout out to cult hero Jules Nixon. Um, Travelled down on the train for the game and... Um, his, he got two, he had to get two coaches home to Reading. I think he set off from Torquay Coach Station at about quarter past midnight, and I don't think he got in until about seven in the morning. So, yeah, Jules, that that really is. Um, he has confirmed he feels awful today. I'm not surprised, <laughs> uh, but Jules, what what a great effort, and um, yeah, good on you. So. We're joined today, obviously, by, like I said, by Rob uh, Rob Dickinson, who is one of my colleagues with the Talking Night Sports Trust. Um, for those that don't really know, Rob, what? How did you come to work with the trust, and, and, and what's what's your what's your role within within Trust? Okay, so um, um, initially, I volunteered to help with the uh, fan zone, which was in our Conference South season. Um, and I was one of the match day ambassadors. Um, it was under hours at the time, so it was um, quite a difficult job saying, <laughs> hi, hope you enjoy the match today. That didn't really work, that line. So um, it was a bit gallows humour at the time. But obviously, as the season went on, um, had lots of regulars who were used to stop and chat and um, really enjoyed that season, talking to people, um, fans, just about football in general, how the club was progressing. And also we um, able to help lots of people out. You know, someone were given tickets to sit down with his daughter who was four and she was at the other end of the row. So it was quite, it's quite useful and quite a rewarding experience. But based on that, I was asked to join the board. Um, so about three years ago now, and um, there's nine of us now and um, uh, had a great time actually on the board, great people to talk to. Um, my role, well, I'm my special interest is women's football, um, but we all sort of muck in together. Um, we, we meet once a month and talk about um, whatever's on the agenda, which is published online. Um, but we also have almost daily emails um, talking on a range of uh, topics um, to progress forward for our main role, really. Yeah, so um, we're sort of coming in from quite a few angles, really. I mean, obviously, there's the, the long-term sustainability. Um, so we, we are always looking long-term for the club to move forward. Um, and if there's any problems in the future, we... Um, I suppose we're the option, last resort option to to step in and and help out. Uh, we've got a sort of war chest uh, put away, which um, is enough to get a community share issue going if if needs be. Um, and we're we're adding to that. So I suppose it's a bit like fire insurance. If um, if you get to the end of the year and your house hasn't burnt down you go I waste you don't say I wasted my money on the uh, insurance so that that money's been sort of put in for future generations of 
supporters um, hope to never need it, um, but it's it's there if necessary. Um, so what our members have instructed us to do um, is after expenses, half will go to that war chest and the other half will go to uh, community funds. Um, obviously, we, we talked about the women's team, um, but there's also the Inspirations Disability Team. Um, there's the Talk United Community Sports Trust um, and um, uh, lots of other sort of good causes that we put the money to. So the more people um, that join Tust, um, the more money we got to spend on community, the more money that can be squirreled away. And also it probably gives us um, a, a bigger voice out there on the stage when more members we've got. Yeah, no, and that's one of the things that I found is um, I didn't realise that how much work away from kind of almost the men's first team football club, how much of the community the, the club is part of and, and that trust and that trust really does look after. You know, I think, you know, the community supports trust and the ladies team is is two of them. Um what what would you say are kind of the biggest challenges that you've had since since joining? I suppose um, that the biggest challenge is as a supporters club, we like to have um, structured dialogue with the club, um, uh, so we can put forward um, our members and the general fans based concerns. Um, and it's as you can probably see from the minutes, if you anyone ever goes through them it's it's hard work and uh the club gave us basically very minimal talking time last year a couple of meetings um and i suppose we're on the, the naughty step again to some extent um so it's just trying to uh speak to the club put forward members and fans views um one example of that would be um, uh, the online ticket scheme, which um, obviously there was various problems end of last year and over the Christmas period, which was obviously very difficult for old supporters to come and pick up tickets. And, you know, possibly we lost um, people coming in into the crowd for key games, unfortunately. Um, so that's what we're about. We're, we're trying to... Um, talk to the club talk to fans and, and and bringing the two together but it's 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 been hard work Sam and and why do you think the the owners and, and the club are so reluctant to I mean this has been the problem from the beginning hasn't it I mean at the beginning we mm. never even saw him there was no sign of him he would promise all these meetings he wouldn't show up why do you think that that he or they are so reluctant to engage with the supporters trust it's a difficult one that and we, we don't know exactly why that is the case um i suppose they can take the view we own the club we put all this money into it and we will do do what we want um take it in the direction they want um deal with supporters perhaps on an individual basis um uh, but by doing that that they're missing a trick because um it's you know there's literally two directors on on the board there um and it's very hard to take into account everyone's views i mean we, we think 
we're, we're sorted on something and then someone says oh what about this and it, and it makes you think again so um i really do think they are missing a trick by not supporting to TUS, which is the only um supporters group out there i completely agree i mean i feel like they they miss a trick not engaging you see so many other lower league teams um you know really engaging with their fans having a fun time on social media you hear nothing they, they won't engage with anybody on there's such a community of talky fans on twitter um it's how i'm part of this podcast it's how i've got to know talky fans i've never lived in talky i don't come from talky so and there's a really nice community and that was particularly um highlighted during lockdown you know there's always people around to have a bit of a chat to it can be a really nice space and when, i think what you're saying about how much they engage with you is what fans like me find that the club treats them like as well they just don't really seem to want to talk to us that much which I think is a real shame um is there anything sort of coming up that you're working on that you're able to talk about at the moment any specific things that you're really working towards um well the probably sort of a glimmer of light out there is the fans led review um by Tracy Crouch and um where they're trying to give more voice to the fans, um, maybe have a shadow board where they can consult on decisions. Um, and as it happens, we're, we're going up to um, visit her. Um, there's a delegation of um, people from Tusks that will be given feedback on that review. So hopefully if we keep pushing the fans review, um, we can get some legislation out there that will bring clubs closer to um, supporters. No, and I think that's a real achievement to be going out to meet her. Um, I think I think that's, yeah, something that it, it kind of just shows the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. Mm. Um, obviously, when speak to me, you kind of preach to the converted, but for everyone else, what do you think in in the time that you've been involved in the board is kind of the biggest achievement or something you really think has made a big difference for, for, from work from the trust? Good question, because um, there's so much that we, we have done over the um, the years. There's, there's lots of achievements out there. Um, um, take take the, the women's team, for example. Um, a, a few years ago, they were probably at a quite a low ebb um, and they really were struggling to um, finish the, the season um, with, with funds. And we were able to um, provide a sort of last tranche to keep them going. Um, so that that was great, um, which kept them in the same league they're in. And um, obviously, they really are kicking on now in a big way. Um, uh, we've done, uh, oh, uh, what else have we done? Uh, the, I think the Torquay United Community Sports Trust, uh, we've got a really, really good relationship with them. Um, and, um, you know, if we can help them, we, we will. Um, uh, we help with the roof over the disabled supporters. Um, so quite, quite, quite a bit, really, quite a bit. Um, I, actually, um, the, the fan zone, I thought that was a really roaring success. Um, what um, we were able to do was um, get a grant to get all the speed goals in. And, um, you know, the club wasn't having a good time of things, but at least we were able to work um, with other community bodies and bring fans together to make it more of a day as well. That, that was a bit, that was a big um, plus when I first joined the board. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think the, the fan zone was brilliant, it, especially for the youngsters who, you know, because they're the ones that you really want to enjoy it. I mean, people like us, I feel like we're, we're already condemned to a lifetime of Torquay, uh, Torquay United, with, for better or worse. But for the youngsters who, you know, they're the next generation, they're the ones you want to really enjoy it and come back. If it's not happening on the pitch, which, okay, you know, since Gary Johnson's come in, thankfully, it's mostly been good times. Um, but, you know, in those kind of pretty grim, grim days as a Torquay fan under, under the likes of Gary Hours, having the uh, having the fans there was a great way of kids interacting and coming to enjoy enjoy the whole day out and not just the game. Um, and I, I think, you know, the, the track seats for the ladies team was was a massive thing as well. So speak to Grant and them having a sense of identity and being able to help with that. I, I, I think it was, was a real, you know, it shows that the trust really is there for not just the immediate football club, but the, like I say, the men, kind of the men's side of things, but the extended community and the ladies mm. team who just don't seem to have as much support as perhaps they should. Yeah. And I think um, a little bit of money really does go a long way for, um, the women's team and other community ventures out there. And it re really does help. And they, I think they really appreciate they get the support from um, the sort of Talk United fans. And Sam, you said, you know, you've recently rejoined the Trust Board. Um, what What is your motivation for doing that? Do you have anything specific you'd like to achieve whilst working with them? For me, it was, so I was previously involved what feels like a long time ago. Um, must have been five or six years ago now um and uh, maybe perhaps a little bit too early I, I kind of wasn't didn't realize kind of the the commitment and and how much work goes into it um but I, I spoke to Michelle the TUS chairman who you know that you couldn't find anyone better to do the job in my opinion um you know really really cares about what he's what we're doing and for me, I think it was just a case that, you know, what TUS does is, is good. They're good. It's a good organisation. They're good people. And it, it was for me, it was, you know, if I can come in with any ideas, I, I've been told I'm the youngest one. Um, I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced. But, um, uh, if you know, if I can add maybe a slightly younger fan's point of view, then perfect. Um but just help out maybe with a bit of the marketing and helping pe to get people signed up, which for me is a no brainer. It's two pounds a month, it's 50 pence a week for ages. Um, and one of our colleagues, Bob wrote to the national obsession and said, can you think of a slogan? What, you know, what costs, what, what's what else is 50 P and nothing's 50 P anymore. You know, you can't 50 P's the new 10 P you can't get anything. But for 50p a week, you can support the, the Talking Night Supporters Trust, who, like me and Rob said, do fantastic work. It goes, really does go a long way. But I think for me, the money aside, you, you're joining the biggest group of independent, the biggest independent supporters group away from the football club, which, you know, you want strength in numbers. Like I said, like Rob says, hopefully there'll never, ever be a need for talk, for us to have to intervene with a takeover hopefully that will never need to happen but it's you'd rather have the numbers there should we ever be needed hopefully in the long run Tusk can just carry on with kind of supporting 
alongside the club. That that would be a great achievement, in my opinion. Um, and joining couldn't be easier. Just go onto the Tusk website. Tusk are on Twitter. They're on Facebook. The website's there. It's £2 a month. Well, it sounds like a great idea that everyone should join. And one more last question from me, I guess, for both of you. You said there's nine people on the board. Um, is it is it all men on the board at the moment? There is one lady there. So we probably could do with another woman, really, on that basis. Yeah. Any women no. out there listening that have a little bit of yeah. time to get involved, definitely, I think... You know, the, the only reason I said it is just because, you know, we are trying to push to, you're talking about the women's football team, we're trying to push to have more women involved around talking. And when we're talking about future generations of supporters, female supporters are just going to keep going up and up and up until we're at 50-50. So, um, you know, don't be put off. My point is don't be put off joining and getting involved. Um, if, you're, if you're a woman listening to this, please do. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um... And again, you know, Tust were, were massively behind the Her Game 2 thing. And I think, you know, once that extra support come in, it, it's funny how that's when the club started, uh, you know, trying to organise it. So, you know, um, even, even if the club don't directly interact with us, I do think there's, uh, they certainly keep a half eye up for what, you know, what, what Tust are saying and advising. So... And also the more people that are saying it, the more people that are part of this, the more they're going to listen because they're going to have to. So, you know, like you said, hopefully we'll never need the supporters trust, but we have seen many other clubs suddenly need their supporters to keep them going um, throughout supporting lower league. It's never, it's never far away, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah we're, we're the one constant, aren't we? The supporters, owners come and go at the end of the day and the fans will always be there. Absolutely, yeah. even on a freezing cold Tuesday night, losing in yeah. <laughs> the 92nd minute. <laughs> I had a woolly I had a woolly hat on last night, so I wasn't too bad, but <laughs> um but yeah, I mean that I think that's kind of everything for now on the t- on on the uh, on, on Tust. Um again, it, it couldn't be easier to join. It's 50 pence a week, you know, everyone can afford that. So a little bit of interest in National League news that's broken over the last week uh well the last couple of days it appears that the ever charming mr is it danny rowe james 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 rowe Rowe, danny rowe's a striker james rowe has been suspended by chesterfield now i think we've all seen the clip of him at is it maidstone uh maidenhead maidenhead i always get those two mixed up um (laughs) I don't know which 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 one of them is my favourite Tory constituency. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've seen that clip of him having a conversation with a fan. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, the man's got anger issues, doesn't he? Like that is. A, I mean, earlier today, I I saw somebody pull out on a roundabout about at the wrong way and shout at the driver that nearly went into them because of the person <laughs> that pulled out's fault. I'll slit your throat. And I said to I said to my partner then I was like, um, is that James Rowe in the van? <laughs> it's just it's an incredibly aggressive thing to shout. But what my overriding feeling is that this has been ongoing and they have been waiting to find a way to get rid of him. Um, I saw some tweets yesterday. I mean, I don't know how true they are that some of the staff are just 
not particularly the footballers themselves, but the staff around the club are really, really relieved that he's going. Um, that it was a really horrible atmosphere. He was a real bully. He was just really, really nasty to them. And and um, the news that he's been suspended is like a welcome relief to their mental health and, and their well-being. So it was quite interesting. One of my friends is a Spyrite fan and, and I was talking to him about it. And I was like, are you, are you gutted? Like, you know, he's done so much for in terms of the team performing. My friend was just like, if he's been bullying people and we don't want him, we're not interested in him. And um, he's obviously got form as well. I think he did it at West Ham too. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's it's one of those where actually some things are bigger than the results on and off the pitch. Because if you're bullying people and the people outside, you know, people around the football club are, you know, scared of the workplace environment and perhaps scared of or just not enjoying their lives there. It's it's just not fair on um, on those individuals because, like I say, it, it, it's, it's, it's a bigger than a football issue. And I think the problem is he's doing very well for them on the pitch, but that club have got, I mean, they've clearly got a lot of money because... Well, I say that they they've clearly got the infrastructure with the money they spent on the money they spent on Shumanga. Um so yeah, they they'll do well with or without him, but it must be an awkward one for the board when you want to get rid of someone, but you kind of can't because they're doing very well. So he has got form and yeah, ho- hopefully that's kind of the last we see of him because you, you, there's no space in football for people like that. No, and it's good to see that even with them being top, that the club has taken that stance. It would be very easy for the club to just let it slide. He's getting in the results one. They've obviously invested big time this year, apart from in their frost covers, which were for their fans to cover. Um, you know, like, and it'd be very easy for them to just say, just turn a blind eye to it and let it carry on. But I mean, credit to them if he has been bullying people, if he has created a horrible, intimidating atmosphere, I think they're better shot of him because whilst the team is performing well at the moment, that won't last for very long if he's bullying them. You know, you'll you'll you get people that won't want you won't want they won't want any loan players to go to Chesterfield. Um they'll small clubs, rumors start spreading around. And so I think they've made the right decision. No, 100 percent And it's not too dissimilar to what ex-players say about Steve Evans that actually the cost that it comes of success just isn't worth it. So yeah, you know, be interesting to see uh, see what develops there. Um, I don't know if anyone's got anything to mention before we uh, before we sign off. No more for me today. No more for me. Perfect. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you to Rowena. Thank you. And thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, great to be on. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. <laughs>